NPR. You know, as journalists, we like telling stories, but we often say we do not want to be the story. (laughs) And with that said, uh, this next story is a little bit about us. Just a little bit. So about a month ago, Twitter and its CEO, Elon Musk, added the label state-affiliated media to NPR's Twitter profile. And a few days later, it added the label government-funded to other public broadcasters in Canada, the UK, South Korea, and others. In response, these outlets, including NPR, pushed back. They argued these labels are misleading and falsely imply that they're controlled by their governments. Now, this Twitter spat isn't necessarily surprising. I mean, Elon Musk is known for thumbing his nose at journalists and media outlets. What is surprising, though, is that before all this went down, actual state-affiliated news outlets controlled by the Russian, Iranian, and Chinese governments, they were seeing a surge of activity on Twitter. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And I'm Waylon Wong. Today on the show, we talk with NPR tech reporter Dara Kerr about how she discovered the surge was no accident and why it matters for democracy and human rights around the world. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash gradprograms. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at etrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. Etrade is a business of Morgan Stanley. So for a long time, we've known that misinformation and disinformation thrive on social media. But a few years ago, NPR tech reporter Derek Kerr says it seemed like Twitter was taking this problem head on. From like an outside perspective, it looked like they took those things seriously and were working to minimize it. She says, case in point, Twitter had established what it called its trust and safety team. And in 2020, Dara says this team had set its sights on accounts belonging to government-controlled news outlets, accounts that traffic in a lot of pro-government propaganda. A prime example of this is the Twitter account for a Russian-backed news agency called RT. I have RT open. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Okay, the, the, the most recent tweet is Paris protesters lighting fires um, at an Olympic swimming pool. Okay. And um, then there's one about lawyers protesting in Madrid. And the following one is soldiers from the Russian National Guard held a training session, and it shows them doing parachute jumps and scuba diving. Huh. Okay. So, like, things are unraveling in other countries, but here in Russia, we're doing awesome things. But 
And Dara says these are not necessarily the kind of tweets Twitter was most concerned about back in 2020. Really, they were worried about misinformation and the potential for government messaging to drown out voices from the public. Especially in places where Twitter is banned. Um, Twitter is banned in Russia, Iran, and China. But the governments run literally dozens of accounts in many, many languages. And so they can really spread their message around the world quite easily. But you know, a government's message doesn't have to travel around the world to cause real harm. A gruesome example of this occurred in the mid-2010s when Myanmar's military used Facebook to promote genocide against Rohingya Muslims. In a bid to try and prevent governments from using Twitter in these sorts of ways, Twitter's trust and safety team set its sights on government propaganda. And after a lot of research and consulting outside groups, this team came up with a new policy for accounts that it classified as state-affiliated media. So if you had the label on your account, state-affiliated media, what that meant was Twitter was kind of light shadow banning those accounts. It did two things, which are kind of jargony words that is called downranking and deamplification. And so, for example, like if one of those accounts posted a tweet, that tweet would not show up in your general feed and say that account was responding to a tweet. That response would be buried down low. It would not be in a sequential order that that response came in. Twitter also tweaked its search tool, so tweets from state-affiliated accounts would not appear in most searches. And together, these measures seem to work. They did internal tests on Russian state media tweets and saw that that visibility filtering decreased the spread of those tweets by 30 percent. Other outside groups also did tests on Chinese state-affiliated media accounts and also saw a decrease in the amplification of those tweets. So they made the change, and this has been the policy since 2020. Now, fast forward three years, Elon Musk now runs the company. The trust and safety team has been pretty much downsized. And this policy of filtering state media was quietly changed. And Dara says she probably would never have known about this if it were not for Twitter coming out last month and labeling NPR's Twitter account as state-affiliated media. So I decided to look into whether NPR was getting this light shadow ban. And the way to test this is to, like, on accounts you don't follow, you search for it and to see if it pops up. And immediately NPR popped up. So I was like, huh, that doesn't seem like it's being deamplified. So then I tried it with Russia's RT and Sputnik, and it just popped up. So I was like, hmm, interesting. There's these labels there, but they're in name only. What the labels are meant to do, the deamplification, was not working. For some perspective on what was going on, Dara spoke with two former employees of Twitter. They did not want to be named in her story for fear of retaliation. But those sources, one of whom was a former executive, told Dara that the company had purposely reversed its policy on filtering state-affiliated media accounts just a few weeks prior. To verify that claim, Dara also reached out to a think tank called the Atlantic Council, which has this thing called the Digital Forensics Research Lab. Alyssa Khan is a researcher there, and what Alyssa did was analyze dozens of Twitter accounts backed by the Russian, Chinese, and Iranian governments. And in doing so, Alyssa noticed this pattern. They had kind of declined in followers or stagnated in followers for months. And then around March 29th, 
uh, and onwards, they started to gain accounts rapidly. Alyssa showed us these graphs of followers for the accounts, and the pattern is stark. It looks like a hockey stick. Alyssa says this apparent change to Twitter's algorithm is concerning to her. It kind of like sacks the deck in favor of governments with large media apparatuses at the expense of people who don't have those things but have important, critical things to say. And then when it comes to state-affiliated media outlets that often traffic in conspiracy theories, election lies, or COVID misinformation, because of the change, those accounts can now reach more people. And, and so can accounts even promoting violence. So, for instance, NPR's Derek Kerr points to the account of Russian official Dmitry Medvedev. A few weeks ago, he tweeted that Ukrainians are, quote, blood-sucking parasites who should, quote, disappear. That tweet really caught my attention because Elon Musk responded to it. Someone asked why he allowed a tweet like that on the platform because it was so laden with genocidal language. And Mm -hmm. Musk responded, I'll read this to you. All news is to some degree propaganda. Let people decide for themselves. Dara did reach out to Twitter for comment, by the way, and so did we. And when we sent our email to its press account, we got the company's standard auto reply, a poop emoji. So I guess that's a no comment from Twitter. There's one more twist in this story. Shortly before Dara published her piece, Twitter removed all the state-affiliated labels. So that applied to NPR, but it also applied to all the other accounts that were actually controlled by the Russian, Chinese, and Iranian governments. They went from saying we, you know, we've investigated, looked into and very thoughtfully put labels on accounts we think deserve the label to we'll leave the label, but we'll take off the, you know, shadow banning to ah, let's just take off the label. Seems like Twitter's policy on this is just one big shrug emoji. Better than a poo emoji. This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering by Catherine Silva. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Viet Lee is our senior producer. Kate Kincannon edits the show. And The Indicator is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. Okay, close your eyes for a second. Now imagine you're on your dream vacation. No work calls to answer, no text messages to respond to, just your suitcase and an opportunity. The opportunity to just take yourself out of your routine and travel deeper. How to actually take that dream trip. That's on the Life Kit Podcast from NPR.